Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Avatar, The Last Airbender. Hello everybody and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today we are talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender, book two, episodes eight and nine, The Chase and Bitter Work. Bitter Work. So first up, um, well... There's there's a lot of things to touch base on. Um, these two, I think, are the first two we've had in a while where it's like, and now we're watching two episodes that don't have much to do with each other. Very much um, the chase would, like, reflecting now that we've watched them, we should have put the chase with Zuko alone. Yeah. <laughs> and we should have done this one by itself. But that's okay. That's okay. We're learning. Um, the, the chase, I feel like, is the main thing for us to talk about. And then... Bitter work is a necessary kind of now let's develop and see where we're where we're going um situation. Like we need to watch, you know, spend some time on learning to earthbend. But um it's more of a um kind of table setter than anything else. So let's let's start with the chase and with I I, I guess just that awesome hero shot of everybody lined up. It was it was super fun. There's, there's a lot to enjoy, I think, in the chase. Uh, Allison, how did you feel about these ones? What did you think? I, uh, first of all, was uh, horrified by the, like, science tank train. Um, it was like the train from Snowpiercer, but full of uh, stern-looking young women. On um, mongoose of- lizards. And mongoose lizards. Oh god, when they go over the water, oh man. Yeah, the just the spinning. Oh, the spinning. Um, you know, I I thought that this one was pretty I thought both of these were pretty strong. It's I am now starting to understand why it is that Noel's perspective on season one is that it's weaker. Uh, because season one is really good, but this is just, it's incredibly consistent. Um, and I think you're right that these two episodes don't have very much in common. Other than that, they're very good. Um, what were you asking about specifically? I got caught up on the terrifying the, train. The hero shot of them in the t- oh, oh, town. Yeah. Amazing. So cool. Um, and it's nice that we've gotten that motif twice in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very neat. And I just like, I like, you know, they ha- have scenes like this in musicals too, and they're sort of lovingly referred to as all skates. Um, and this is, and that's what this is, right? Everybody comes together. You've got basically everybody you care about in one place, except for Boomy. Uh, and it just becomes very <laughs> cool and interesting. Um, and I loved being able to watch uh, Iroh and Toph together. Like, what a dream team. Um, it just... All around, lots and lots to find interesting and to be compelled by here. Yeah. Noel, how did this one uh, live out to your memory? So I really like the chase. Um, like, I just love the whole Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid of it all of, who are those guys? Of them running from this weird tank posse in this episode. Um, so I love all of that. And it's also like very, I know for other people who maybe don't watch Bush, didn't watch Bush Cassidy, but maybe watch Battlestar Galactica and went, it's 33. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though probably in production land and how animation works, this episode was, com- they came up with this before 33 was like done, even though 33 aired first. Um, just the turnaround on animation would have. It's so crazy to think of the the time period, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. these would have aired really close to each other on the yeah. scale of things. Yeah. yeah, no, they're like a year apart. I checked. 
Yeah. Um, but it's just like they would have had to go into production on the chase like a year before it aired, um, depending on how long it took them to do it. So it's just weird to think about that kind of synergy type of deal of like both going, what if our heroes are constantly being harassed and just can't rest? So like that is a concept. Um is really fun to think about. And I think it works really well here as a way to show our heroes at their worst, basically of, Oh, right. No, we've got new dynamics, but we can't have fun exploring those dynamics. Instead, we're all very tired. And I really like that as like a concept of exploring how these dynamics work because we're all just exhausted and Katara and Toph in particular both have very different perspectives on how things work based on class, based on culture. And I think that pounding all of, smashing all of that together with a they're constantly after us thing while also demonstrating Toph's value to the group because she's able to hear the tank um, before it even gets too, too close just really balances everything really, really nicely. So I really, really like this episode. I think it's really, really good. And then you get a whole, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly standoff between Zuko, Aang, and Azula at the end. And it's just like, I just love this show. I just love this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very good. Still still to this day, one of my favorite, favorite visual gags is from this show is Azula realizing that there's no floor in that building, catching herself, (laughs) and then Zuko just running in and falling (laughs) to the floor. It's just like (sighs) that epitomizes their two personalities better than anything else the show can do. (laughs) So good. And also Aang just in there on his little air ball of wind, just being like Hey guys! Hey guys! <laughs> yeah, Aang using uh, his little ball of wind in a combat sequence was very cool and fun. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was nice to see part of that piece of him enter the picture. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I think, like, the 33 parallel is is really good. Uh, Marcus says, it's the Armageddon Deep Impact thing, and yes it is. And what was the other one? It's like a, um, Dante's Peak and Inferno? Or... Uh, volcano. It's volcano. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just volcano. It's just volcano. <laughs> um, the, the difference here, though, is that, and I do think even in this episode, this is a problem, not enough concern for Appa. Just entirely too much just assumption that Appa can just keep going for I was, like, yelling at my screen. He needs <laughs> to rest. He's very tired. And that, like, it, it shouldn't take him falling asleep midair for you to be like, I guess we're going to have to stop. Um, I was very concerned for Abba here. But Marcus says because he was taxiing too much. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Marcus is correct. He's not a taxi. <laughs> He's not a self-driving car. Mm-hmm. He's not the cat bus, despite how all the fan art depicts him as the cat bus from my neighbor Totoro. <laughs> I love the cat bus so much. Like, no, we all do. Like, like that song so is so great. Like I, I've learned that on the violin. I've taught it to a few of my students. It's oh, cool! You should teach it to all of your students. It's very good. Well, they have to anyway. be willing to do the work, and a lot of them aren't. Um, but anyways, back to the topic at hand, and not just cat buses, which are awesome. Um, the the you know, giving Toph the realization I thought was good, especially since she can't 
see the trail of fur, right? So mm-hmm. she she had to just like put that together herself and realize it. Whereas, um, I mean, I think it also makes sense that because they've been flying around an opera for so much longer, they're also just kind of more used to this. Katara and Sokka and Aang. Um, but I thought that was well done. I liked the pacing of it, of a lot of it. And I mean, as someone who is the listeners in the chat can see is very pale, <laughs> very, I'm a very pale person. I get dark circles, like, after a full night's rest. So I appreciated the immediate dark circles under all of their eyes, um, even under Appa somehow, like you could feel yeah. the bags more. Um, and just the exhaustion settling in, it was it was very good. And then you remember that teens need even more sleep mm-hmm. than adults. Um, yeah, they, they, I thought they really sold a lot of that. Now, the the way that they all line up, together is very convenient but when it's that badass of a sequence i don't really care i was waiting though it, it, they've really built up azula so tremendously i was waiting for um the other two to catch up and join her for the standoff i forgot that it was just her with everybody else um and so they're gonna definitely have to um level up our heroes and our anti-hero angsty fireboy um so that they can uh appropriately match azula but you know, we've got some time for them to do that. So I thought it was super fun. I really, I really dug that episode. Any other questions from Diego and Marcus? Drop them in the chat about the, the chase or any other thoughts, guys, on that? Or should we go on to Bitter Work? Well, I wanted to ask Allison what she thought about Azula's Blue Fire um, stuff. Since Blue Fire is technically cooler than... Mm. Um, but yet... Azula being such a drama queen is just like, oh, I'm just going to walk into this building and light it on fire behind me for the effect. <laughs> you know, I um, I get that, but I'm going to like give myself a little headcanon here, uh-huh. which is that maybe it's blue because her control on the fire is so great that she only expends enough energy to yeah. start it. So yes. she just puts like, the the flame necessary to start the inferno and is able to con- conserve her energy in that way uh, and control it, which is why she's so lethal. Um, it was wait, really, wait. I mean, that's how I've always heard it too. But go ahead. Blue fire is hotter than. Is than, it hotter? Yeah, I thought the heart. No, the hottest part oh. of the flame is the very top, isn't it? Marcus is also saying blue flame is higher. Blue flame is hotter hotter than red. Well, I'm still saying it's because she's got control over it. She's able to keep the temperature in a very specific window or something. Um, Anyway. uh, Don't listen to me. I don't have a degree in science. (laughs) You know, my studies in poetry and theater arts are not going to come in real useful here. Um, I, uh, I really like it because it reminds me a bit of how all of the speedsters sort of have their own unique shade on the flash. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very superhero-y where you can sort of identify, uh, or, you know, like your rangers of power, um, mm-hmm. et cetera, uh, where you can sort of identify the marks that someone leaves or the energy they put out based on who they are. So uh, I thought it was really cool and intimidating um, and sort of complements her icy demeanor. Well, it's also a good partner with the blue lightning, you know, so having just connecting that and, you know, having that more intense. Marcus says blue flame is hotter, black body radiation. Think of the rainbow. Red is the coolest, which is why I like a match, right? Is when you light it is is red because, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the but that connecting like she 
the quiet intensity and the control to maintain that temperature of the of the blue fire with the blue lightning, I think, is a really straightforward and connected way. It's also, again, just they need to live. They've they've set the bar nice and low for Zuko with that flashback <laughs> where he's like, I can make fire too. love me, daddy <laughs> or grandpa in that case. Um, so now we, we can we can watch as he trains more with Ira, which I'm so excited. Um, and learns more uh, technique and is able to up his game um, to be able to, um, you know, eventually get to that point with his firebending. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it, there's there's a lot there with that. And, and even just so that you can be like, well, Zuko did that fire and Zula did that fire. I have a clear sense of what's going on now. Yeah, which is really like the big reason that they do it is so that you can differentiate whose fire is whose. Mm-hmm. Um, in those scenes in particular. Yeah. Um, let's move on to bitter work. And um, yeah, as a teacher, <laughs> let, me, let me say that uh, Toph handled Katara like a freaking pro <laughs> so well. And then the, the way the episode balances that dynamic, because, you know, the reason that we see them squabbling in the previous episode is because she's new and they're figuring out their dynamics. And because unlike with when Aang joined Katara and Sokka, Katara and Sokka had this, like their whole life relationship to draw on and there was still a little tension, but not too bad. But here it's a complete stranger, complete like with her own bundle of issues. So like there needs to be some strife and and it's basically Katara's turn to be the one causing the strife. But I never, I never really enjoy when they're like, let's have two female characters and now let's have the two women, let's have them argue with each other. You know, like I just uh, hate that trope so much. So having them have some conflict here, but then learn from and both be right by the end, I thought was very well handled. And um, there are times when you just need to. (laughs) Just need to go, okay, well, you're going to get killed by the saber-toothed moose lion if you don't do it. So, you know, even if the baby saber-toothed moose lion is so cute. What was his name? Floofy McDoofy Poo-Poo something? Fluffy, oh. flu, uh, Foo-foo Cuddly Pop. Cuddly Poops. Foo-foo Cuddly Poops. poops. Yeah. Oh, so cute. Um... Yeah, I, you know, I, Kate, that usually bothers me as well, but here it just felt like, oh, I don't know, like a professional squabble between people with very different techniques, both of whom thinks that the other one has the wrong idea. Um, and you are right that Toph handled it very, very well. Uh, but I really like that the episode also underlines that Katara is actually right. And it's just that she's the, like the message is wrong and the way she's interfering is wrong. But once they're able to talk privately and to confer as bending professionals, um, that advice comes in handy. And I, I just think it was really that ultimately the method that Aang needed was a little bit of both. Uh, I think is a really cool, fun message. It was really interesting watching them have like, like a break room argument. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. cool. No, there's good like pedagogical discussions in this episode of like, what's the best way to do this with this particular student? Um, and yeah, no, I appreciate like both of you have said of like the end result is a little bit of both, but Katara's approach is mostly the correct one. But it validates Toph's whole approach 
as well, I think. And so I just, I really appreciate that in this episode. And yeah, no, Sabretooth and Moose Lion, it's just, Moose, Moose are dangerous creatures. They kill more, more humans than most animals do. And so the idea of merging them with a Sabretooth lion, no, <laughs> just no, don't yep. do that. You're just watching the episode going like, you're very cute and you're very small and you're not out here by yourself. Yeah. So when's it happening? <laughs> yes. Well, because the other thing I really like about Bitter Work is that there's not really an antagonistic force in this episode. Um, there's not even like necessarily like some weird town thing happening like there is in with the fortune teller um, where the thing is kind of just the volcano, but not really. The volcano was just there for an excuse for an action sequence. Um, this episode doesn't even like really play up the Sabretooth Moose Lion as an action sequence, really. It's there for a little bit, but really it's about both of these parallel stories of how do you learn and what is getting in the way of you learning. And I really like how the show does that with both Aang and Zuko, and then because Zuko's a terrible student, um, also allows them to do a lot of like world building and have a really good discussion about pride and shame and the importance of empathy and thinking about and kind of explaining the concept of like each of the nations, basically, um, and how that then gets demonstrated in the Aang plotline as well of how Katara teaches, how Aang learns, and how Toph teaches, and how those all kind of match up with what Iroh's talking about, about all the other, um, whatchamacallits, all the other um, cultures. Um, God, Iroh would have just been the best firebender. Not firebender, airbender. He would have just been the best airbender. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the, well, I don't know. He's a bit too to again reference Harry Potter he's a bit too Hufflepuff yeah for for the airbenders but yeah I I really loved his explanation or like description of the four types of bending and and how and like then brought you know expanding that out to the different nations as well Uh, even if it's always reductive right anytime you take all of the people and split them into four groups or three groups or whatever it's never gonna make sense really but uh that you know I just was like, let me, can I enroll in Professor Iroh's class? Because I'm very here for it. Um, and again, and as someone who works with young people, um, the, just like the, okay, great. Now let's do it. Can I, I want to play it. It's like, no, you're not ready for this yet. You like have all these other things you got to deal with first. It's like, well then I'm going to give up that violin forever. Right. Like, but shoot lightning at me, Miss Coles. I, I can take it. Shoot lightning at me. <laughs> I want to play this really hard piece right now and fall on my face in front of all my friends and family. And then, you know, dissolve into a puddle of tears when, why I think I'm not good enough because I took out a piece this way too hard. Yeah, anyways, not that I've had to deal with that. Not with one of my current <laughs> students, thankfully. That's a previous thing. In case any of them are listening, I'm not talking about you. And I'm actually not. Um, She's but... talking about your siblings. <laughs> <sighs> She's talking about me. It's me. It's you. It's you, Allison. That long, that weekend-long course we did. Yeah. Um, it was very intense. Oh, she strange. taught me specifically so that I could audition um, for a very important role in the first season of Stargirl. Unfortunately, yeah. I was not up to the task. No, you were too good. That was the problem. Um, but, yeah, the the... Again, the, the the discussion, or the I guess the revelation that the 
the lightning channeling we saw Iroh do earlier in the season is like a unique thing that no one else knows how to do was really cool. And um, as much as the balance between super angsty Zuko stuff and then just the ridiculous and hilarious Sokka stuff, I thought just worked really, really well. So let's start with the Zuko stuff. Is he still angry fire kid or is he angsty fire kid or is he emo fire kid? Where are we at right now? I mean, I, I still, I mean, we can also call him Zuzu now if you want, um, because we do have that nickname from Azula now. <laughs> but how do we, in, in like, a, in a world where um, a bunch of the, our listeners, of course, shout out to the Caldwells, are not a fan of Lucy as a, yeah, as a no, that's true. short that's name, true. then how do we feel about Zuzu? Is Zuzu legit? I love Zuzu. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very diminutive, and it's a perfect thing for Azula to call Zuko. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, like angsty fire kid is emo fire kid is probably like the correct lane for him right now i mean again the kid was just yelling at a rainstorm (laughs) yeah dashboard Um, confessional fire kid right oh that's very good yes there you go um yeah no i I think it's i think it's good like i mean he just he's so very lost and i really appreciate like the discussion about him in the chase about how um, Iroh's just like, I'm trying to give him that space, but he's just so lost. He also makes terrible tea. Terrible. I'm trying so hard. Um, It's very bracing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, but I, I just really appreciate how, particularly Dante Basco, who voices Zuko, really manages to strike a really good balance between making that feel really earned like legitimately like this is where this guy is and it doesn't feel as trite as it probably could um like his whole thing of just keeps blowing up my face like everything always does it's just like oh you sweet sweet child i just want to cuddle you um but i really like how basco's performance really finds a authenticity to that that makes you actually feel for Zuko as opposed to kind of roll your eyes at Zuko because it's really easy to do. Even with how it's written, it's really easy to feel kind of eye-rolly towards Zuko. And I think his performance stops that from happening, which is really important considering a lot of the other development that's about to kick in for him. Yeah, I really like that observation. It's like... Vasco is... It's like he's he plays it with total sincerity, right? Like there's no wink, wink. There's nothing about it that feels overblown outside of the way that teenagers overblow things. Um, But at the same time, he's also hitting punchlines like relentlessly because it is some of this. It's it's not eye rolly, but it is funny yes because zuko has no idea how it sounds and because we are in a position to also be empathizing with iroh so sort of operating from his perspective and you know wisdom and self-awareness and all these things that zuko doesn't have so i think it's like a, a really really good balance like it's really interesting to watch him hit every one of those punchlines without ever condescending to the character at all it's pretty great yeah yeah that's a really 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 good point yeah yeah, it's well, both you. ridiculous <laughs> and hilarious, and also completely sincere. And yeah. it can be both. Well, and a little heartbreaking when he, 
when after all of that time and making what seems like real progress when Iroh is like, no, I'm not going to throw lightning at you. I'm not going to maybe kill you so that hopefully you can learn something and show how tough you are as a fighter. You have not learned the lesson. You have learned the technique and theory, but you have not learned the lesson. Yeah, it just, it you know, it breaks your heart a little. It was really well done. And I just, I like the juxtaposition so much of what these two people are experiencing. And they're somehow so similar and totally different. Yeah, definitely. Um, Over with Sokka. Uh, Marcus says, I was a little confused. Did the baby saber-toothed moose lion earthbend Sokka into the hole to protect itself? Or did Sokka just, is Sokka completely foolish and did it to himself? I was reading that as he like stumbled a little bit and kept trying to get out and was making it worse. Yeah. You can see the cracks in the ground while he's hunting from the tree and he just ends up muddy pitting himself into that hole. Um, Allison's smiling, so I'm hoping that visual reference, because I've tweeted a picture of Tom Hanks stuck in the floor in from the movie The Money Pit. And yeah. It's the visual cue for that whole sequence is Tom Hanks in the money pit. <laughs> um, because it's even down to like how Sokka's hands are. It's just pure money pit. Oh, I love that movie. Anyway. Um, yeah, no. So it's just the tiger cub doesn't do anything. The lion cub doesn't do anything. It's just Sokka's, Sokka gets stuck there. So he can come to an epiphany about some stuff because he didn't know if he was going to die. And then he doesn't get to tell anyone about it because Aang's so excited that he can earthbend. It's just poor, poor Sokka. (laughs) Yeah. Sokka. It's enough to make you think he deserves to go stand on a mountain and yell at a storm. Yes. I will say (laughs) I read it slightly differently um, because once we got to the end, and I and I sort of wondered this at the beginning because the sound that you hear it sounds it doesn't sound just like the ground opening up it sounds like earth bending, um, mm-hmm. so I read it as Toph trapped him to create a situation where Ang would have to rescue Sokka, and was watching the entire time. Um, That's so much. That is now head cannon. I, I don't know that it makes sense, but I love it so much that I'm going to go with it because cool. that is something Toph would definitely do to Sokka mm-hmm. and not not tell anyone to her dying day that she did it. The other thing we note uh, that does not get mentioned is his new uh, was it vegetarianism or veganism? How yeah. long do we think that's sticking? Oh no, he immediately asks for meat as soon as Aang shows up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, sarcastically. Mm-hmm. Like immediately yeah. sarcastically yeah. requests meat. Well, he doesn't request meat with sarcasm. There's sarcasm yeah. and then there's a request for meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Marcus says, I found it a stretch that Sokka would just fall into a pit like that. Mm, I don't. Toph did it. Toph did it. Toph did it. Toph did it. <laughs> Fair oh, enough. It's Fair a teaching enough. moment. It's a teachable <laughs> moment. For Sokka? We- <laughs> mm. No, not for Sokka. No, Sokka's just a prop. Okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we, yeah. Three on three plus Sokka. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. So much. As like, three on three, hey, I can fight. Okay, sure. But you're not a bender. Okay, okay, fine. Nine three on two three the other plus ladies. Sokka. <laughs> yeah, but they're terrifying. Yeah. They're yeah, like they a really super are. gymnast and a knife thrower. Also, are they not benders? Because didn't they no. meet at a firebending academy? I don't remember. Yeah, no, they're not benders, though. They, said- they can't. 
at the they, something fire the fire academy. academy. I thought it was yeah. just the fire academy. Oh, maybe, like, maybe I like assume the fire, fire nation because they they have schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, if we have any final thoughts on these episodes, Diego and Marcus, throw them into the chat, um, and we can go. I, I look forward to anything you guys uh, want us to talk about that we haven't hit on yet, and then of course Noel and Allison, but. If not, tomorrow we are doing our first two-parter, which is The Library and the Desert. And it also has a separate name that I will tell you about tomorrow. Um, for, like, like one of those, like, when they bundle two-parters and give it a different title. So, Allison, any predictions on The Library and the Desert? Um, well, I have to say, you you say it's called The Library and it's a two-parter, so I immediately assumed that Ang was going to meet River Song. Um, <laughs> and I think maybe I'll go with that, because otherwise I have no idea. May- okay, maybe they go looking for more scrolls. Okay. Um, either earth-bending scrolls or water-bending scrolls. That, I guess I'll predict that. And then the desert, no idea. Okay. Um, Diego oh. says, Iroh's near-death vision with his son hit hard for me. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. Very moving. Definitely. Um... Let's see. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation tomorrow. Yeah. And same. yeah, that's what I will say. So um, until let's then. See. Anything? Oh, we should tease that we've got a high quality, top top tier guest voice actor um, for some for both of these coming up. Um, okay. Two parter, which I'm very excited about. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to guess. I'm going to get three guesses of people who would be excellent. Okay voice performers and i'm only gonna do one famous voice actor and then okay. the, the others will just be famous people who c- can also do voice acting so kevin conroy okay um john leguizamo and anna devere smith monologists <laughs> apparently i was thinking of monologists <laughs> i don't know why but i'm gonna stick with it anna devere <laughs> smith john leguizamo and Kevin Marcus Conroy. says Billy West. <laughs> those are those are all very good guesses. <laughs> okay, great. And Thank you. more on that tomorrow. Um, I look forward to seeing if 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 you guys can identify by by sound or or not. Um, okay, yes, we will talk more tomorrow. I don't want to say anything else. We'll talk more tomorrow. So thank you to Diego and Marcus for hanging out, and thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Bye.